Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop. My name is Steve. And I'm Mike. In this week's episode, we have some special guests joining us. Yeah, we've had them on before uh, to talk about Street Masters and Brook City, but now they've got a new game coming up from Blacklist Games. We have with us today Adam and Brady Sadler. Hey guys, thanks for having us back. Hello. And here, why don't you do a quick ID of which voice is which, just so uh, you know they can they can try to track the brothers as best they can. Yeah, it's gonna sound the same. This is uh, Brady. Luckily, I'm kind of still going through a cold, so my voice might sound a little different, but we're still pretty similar. So, so yeah, the, the sexy voice is Brady. Yes. And so <laughs> this is Adam, and I'll be the one that you hear less probably. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, welcome back, guys. We're super happy to have you on the show again and to talk about your upcoming game from Blacklist Games, Alter Quest. Well, first, uh, let's just give people a little background for those who have not uh, followed your your travails with Blacklist Games. Cool. So your first uh, publication with them was Street Masters, correct? That is right, yeah. Street Masters was a uh, 2016 Kickstarter, and it released in 2017. Uh, kind of a small print run, so we did uh, another Kickstarter 2017 to reprint it, plus do a, a whole bunch of new content, new expansion, and everything. So that's going to be delivering uh, pretty in this the, later this year. Uh, we that was twenty eight. That was twenty eighteen though. We did that Kickstarter. Oh right, right. <laughs> oh yeah, because yeah, yeah, I was going to yeah, say so we I, released, I, I was yeah, we delivered. Sure I pledged that last year. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, because yeah, because we had that's right, yeah, yeah. My dates get so mushed together, but it was so it did kickstart in twenty seventeen, right? Because we designed it in twenty sixteen. I had, to, yes. I had to date back, yeah. So, so yeah, 2017 Kickstarter, yeah, doesn't matter though. Years don't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's um, Aftershock was the new one. It's coming out, and then um, before that pr- uh, reprint, we actually uh, kickstarted uh, Brook City, which was a fairly similar design. Um, it was more uh, zoomed out, kind of like an adventure game, say a buddy cop action movie theme. Um, and that's just delivering right now. Actually, people are getting that, and it's pretty exciting. Yeah, so if you haven't seen uh, my 5 and 5 review of Street Masters, I did some uh, kung fu moves in there, and it's pretty great. Go check it out. Um, but that game is one of my favorites. And Steve, how do you feel about Street Masters? I can't, for- I can't remember if you've uh, talked about that on the podcast. I have. On uh, last year's recap, I was trying to go over the top games of the year for me, and I think that was the one I chose to be game of the year for me for a personal standpoint. So I was just, saying, I was just yeah, saying awesome, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and for me, Street Masters for last year was my solo game of the year and uh, co-op second place uh, new to me. So, yeah, definitely a fantastic design. And Brook City just delivered for me, so, man, I can't wait to. I, like, literally came today. I can't wait to dig into it later this weekend. Sorry yeah. to distract you from that. <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> no, no, no. We both have uh, always have fun playing Street Masters, but I, per- I think I actually like Brook City better than Street Masters, so I have high hopes that people enjoy it just as much. Cool. And uh, just to give like a brief rundown, and, and tell me if I'm wrong on any of this, but uh, both games use, what do you call it? Is a modular deck system? Is that right? That's right, yeah, modular deck system. It's um, sort of kind of a, it's more of a shorthand for the product model. While there are some design similarities and some mechanical similarities, it's more about how the the prod the products are packaged um, and kind of just the general concept of how they look on the table. Um, but they do share some mechanics. Like uh, we typically they they function with miniatures, they're co-op, solo, dice, um, deck driven. Um, those are kind of all the aspects of the MDS system. Yeah, and for those who are familiar with uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse, I know this is one of the inspirations for the system. Um, in that game, you have each player controlling a unique hero deck, and you're going up against a villain deck with this environment deck kind of adding its own little flavor to things. And Street Masters was very similar to that with heroes, villain, and a stage deck with like the villain trying to pursue objectives. It looks like Brook City has a case deck instead of a stage deck. And then, of course, we'll talk about what Alter Quest has. But yeah, if you... Uh, I would say if you like uh, Sentinels or even if you don't, you could still enjoy these games because they do have some, like, at least card-based similarities. Yeah, if you were like me and you love the idea of Sentinels but not necessarily playing it all the time, um, you might check out Street Masters because kind of it was kind of like our inspiration to, like, well, this is what we want it to be. So, yeah. All right, uh, Steve, we, we got some questions for the Saddlers. You want to jump off in our little talk about Ultra Quest? 
Yeah, let's do it. I think it's first, let's give a brief description on what it is. So if you guys won't mind jumping on the thematic description. Sure. Um, Alter Quest is a cooperative uh, fantasy adventure board game. Um, it is using the next evolution of what we've been calling the modular deck system. In the game, uh, here players will take the role of heroes. They have their own hero deck with equipment and abilities um, unique to that hero. Um, they will pick a threat deck to go up against, which is a combination of minions and traps that are themed to some specific faction of enemies. They will pick a villain deck, which can be associated with that threat deck or just something totally different. So you can have a giant frog monster leading some vampires, or you could have the vampire leader leading the vampires, any combination you want. And then you pick a quest deck, um, and the quest is like your objective, what you're trying to do. And all this takes place on a big dungeon board, which we've teased on Blacklist's Facebook page. Um, you just travel through the dungeon, opening doors, when you go into a room, you draw a feature card to see what's in that room, you draw a quest card to see what happens in that room, and then you populate with enemies, and then you keep going through the dungeon trying to complete your objective. Um, all the while triggering special abilities with this pool of altar dice that will continuously change throughout the game, and whatever symbols are in altar pool are available to use by both the heroes and the enemies, um, and that kind of changes up your strategies every turn. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much... The majority of it, uh, elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, the general the, the general theme it's uh, it's more of a it's it's like a high fantasy meets like gothic horror theme. Um, so it's a setting we've been working on for a while, and it's heavily influenced just by general fantasy thing because we've always been into fantasy. So general high fantasy, but also like the old Castlevania video games or the new Netflix cartoon. The Castlevania cartoon is pretty good too. But we oh man, I, I love that uh, Castlevania cartoon. That's a great, <laughs> that that's awesome. Right there. Yeah, I love the tone of that. And I was like, man, because I mean, Castlevania is already pretty much like fantasy, gothic fantasy, you know. So I just kind of wanted to extrapolate on that. But that's that's the, the kind of the the world and and the reason it's called Alter Quest. Some people ask this is the altered ice are a big aspect in the game and the altars represent these kind of corrupted stones from these gods that are burst up from the uh, from underground by some lich queen and they're releasing all this magic in the world it's all chaotic and um, that's represented by the altered dice that, that constantly changes throughout the throughout the game so it's a cool mechanical and thematic mixture that really drives the gameplay so you mentioned how to win is through the quest deck but how do you lose this game I was gonna say I was gonna say getting pummeled, but yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by, by default, if any hero is defeated, uh, which is suffering damage up to your health, uh, you will you'll lose as a group. Um, but also, some quests might have other rules where if you if you don't do take care of something, you will lose. For example, there's a, a quest called the rescue where you're trying to rescue a prisoner, and if that prisoner gets killed, you lose. Uh, so things like that. So two quick questions. Uh, first, a lich queen sent the stones up. Did she? Did she used to be a princess and she grabbed like a, a frosty sword from some you know icy northern realm and create an undead army or anything like that? No, 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 no. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't say that. No, 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 no Warcraft tie-ins there. <laughs> no, no. There's uh, yeah. It's it's uh. We actually, the I, I always use Lich Queen as like lowercase because she was like a Lich Queen, but she's more they, her like title in the world, the the villain's title is the Doom Child, but she's a Lich Queen, so it's kind of just a she was a queen those... that she was a queen that's a Lich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the closest like like a colloquial term for her. <laughs> nice, nice. And then, uh, so, so you say you have four modular decks now, which uh, is more than three in your first two games. So can we expect a five deck and a six deck game uh, eventually? <laughs> well, actually, in Alter Quest, we actually sprinkled in some more uh, modular elements as well. So, for example, there's the feature deck, which um, when you do a quest, you're only going to shuffle uh, seven features with the altar all together in the feature deck. And so as your collection grows, you know, you can you can have a whole pool of features to pull from and change it up every game. And also the altar that's in the game there's a deck, there's a, you have altar cards, like a whole collection of altar cards, and you only take one for the quest, because that's going to be the altar for that quest. Um, so that's another modular element that can change up the game every every time. Yeah, oh, man, you're getting into all our questions of uh, variability. And stuff <laughs> yeah, we're amping the variability up like crazy. <laughs> so you also mentioned this dice pool. Is there a variability in how that dice pool is being built and used? So, so the, the altar dice are, uh, uh, is it six, five or six? It's five? It's, it's five. I was gonna. Yeah. Five. It's yeah. five. Go five. Yeah, six-sided. Five six-sided dice. Each side. Each uh, side of the die is a, a unique symbol. We call them runes, um, and those are rolled at the start of the game. And so the 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 symbols showing are the ones that are available in the altar pool. 
and every you know all these cards all have these alter effects that can trigger those and you kind of have to decide if you want to use one when you use it you roll it and a new symbol comes up um, or the same one if you roll badly like me um, <laughs> <laughs> but that kind of might give the enemy something to do like if you're playing against the frogs for example the little frogman enemies they love the water rune so if you roll water accidentally you're just going to be keeping powering those frogs um, so you kind of have to be careful about you know when you want to trigger yours and not have too many bad symbols in the pool yeah i, I really like this aspect just from reading so uh by the way uh full context uh, steve and i both had a demo copy of like an early draft of the rule book <gasps> so, so from, from you guys we ripped it from the internets um yeah, and we're, we're going to bring up several things we saw in there, uh, some, some really cool stuff and some questions we had, but something I really like about that, it, it did remind me of Mage Knight's uh, mana pool. Were you all sort of inspired by that? Well, yeah, I was going to mention that, Adam. The Adam was going to mention our other game. We designed uh, Myth Dark Frontier that has a very similar fate die system, and it, it, there was a, a certain amount of influence, because I, I did play a lot of Mage Knight when it first came out. I played it, played it solo a ton. Um, but in my, I feel like in uh, Mage Knight, it's more, uh, there's, it's kind of more of an enhancement essentially, where in the, in these games, it's more like unlocking new abilities. So if you, if you play a card, it's like, okay, I'm going to attack this guy, but if I have this, uh, earth rune in the pool, I can also draw a search card cause you know, I'm, I'm using the terrain to my advantage. So it pretty much, it's kind of similar, but it's not just adding granularity, like, oh, you're doing plus five damage or something like that. Yeah, that's cool. And and I'll say, I think already looking at the rules, um, the idea of, like, changing the dice, because I know one of the actions lets you set a die to, like, any face you want. The idea of, like, uh, taking your actions to actually weaken the enemies so they don't get to, like, fire off their water runes, bonus powers, or whatever, that already sounds, like, really intriguing. So it sounds like an exciting uh, design element. Yeah, and there's uh, there's one hero in the base game that is like the mage, and she's really good at manipulating the pool to kind of set people up for cool combos. Uh, but yeah, the, the the channel action you mentioned is it's cool because you can set a die to exactly what you want instead of rolling it, but it costs a whole action, and actions are pretty precious in this game, so it is a tough decision whether you want to spend your whole action to set that up, but it could come in handy if you want to trigger some really cool ability. Yeah, and it's interesting to watch the playtests evolve because every time we've played this with you know new new players or we just share with our playtest groups there's so many aspects that we're really proud of and it's not like we're not proud of the altar pool but it was kind of like one of the first things we added in as like kind of a, a cool this will, this will be neat but it's like pretty much everyone's favorite aspect of the game it's like oh i yeah. love these these days <laughs> yeah we we had uh, isaac childers over uh, got, uh the designer of gloomhaven you know he lives uh in west lafayette so we had him over to, to try it because um when to you know see if he wanted to get involved in some content for the Kickstarter. Um, and he, I could tell instantly he loved that he was really into that dice pool. And that was, that was really cool. Cause I know he doesn't actually, he doesn't like dice very much. So, <laughs> so uh, d does he want to get involved in the Kickstarter? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he he'll, be doing, he'll be doing very nice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. When but, this... By the way, I, I want to give you a chance to mention this several times, but when do you all think this game might appear on Kickstarter? We'll, we'll have you say it at the beginning and the end too. It, it will be one day before our birthday. So guess what that is now. <laughs> so we are uh, planning to launch this, assuming everything goes okay, goes as planned, uh, May 28th. I don't know when this podcast will be live, but uh, probably... It's, it, should be, it should be exactly a month from when this podcast airs. Okay, okay. So yes, we'll have time to, to, you know, follow Blacklist on Facebook and <laughs> keep up with all the updates. And pre prepare their wallets. Yeah, yeah start, wallets. start pinching those pennies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we love street masters i think we're gonna love brook city clearly we've heard some of the key mechanics already some of the cool ideas but if you had to kind of distill how this game is similar to and unique from your previous designs which do clearly have some similarities um you know what are some of the core things you might call out comparing uh this game to your previous efforts i think um for for me, and this is this is uh, me speaking for my preferences because I'm still obsessed with the the whole concept of Street Masters. I love it. I love the product model. Um, I just want to expand on that. Um, every game we do, I just want to pull certain aspects that I like from Street Masters. So what I think I like most um, from what we were doing in Alter Quest is. Uh, we don't have the whole, you know, the kick, punch, uh, grapple, defenses, and power tokens, um, all all the, that. Uh, it's we have the focus that we brought in with uh, Brook City, um, and that's a very elegant uh, 
way to kind of abstract that whole thing. Because um, I love the I love the fact where you you never fail if you roll dice that aren't suited for what you want to do. You'll gain you know some resources to use next time you you try to do something else. So that's that's an ultra quest. Um, the the dungeon board itself is a big huge difference from the other games because you know Brook City has this board, but there's not there's not a lot of exploration. It's more just kind of movement optimization. Um, and Alter Quest has a lot of exploration, a lot of reveals as you're going around opening door do doors. Um, and one thing that's really different is Street Masters, for example, is just straight combat. Um, Brook City is is kind, it's got the granularity like combat, but it's more abstract. It's just encounters. In, in um, Alter Quest, because you have these six stats you're working with um, for each hero, um, everything's a test. But there's a lot more. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> there's more. Uh, thematic and narrative uh, uh, wiggle room design space so we can get really creative with with the quest design and stuff like that so those are some key elements I, I highlight you might have to use your strength to like move a boulder to get through a block blocked you know dead end you might have to use your charisma to talk to some ghost that's blocking the way to let you through um, so everything's a test but it's very you know kind of put it in the narrative and, and give it more flavor get a little bit more into the setting um, than we've we've done in Street Masters Brook City. Like I know Brook City you have like the different approaches to a card and then Street Masters people have like kick or punch or grapple attacks, but it sounds like maybe it'll differentiate characters more, like people will be better and worse at things more frequently. Yeah, so the, as Brady mentioned the six attributes that you have, um it's uh might, uh, endurance, charisma, uh, intellect, willpower. These things determine how many dice you roll in these tests. And so everything is a test for the heroes. So, for example, when you are, you know, attacking an enemy, you are doing a test. You know, I'm doing my my sword says I roll a might test to attack an enemy. But when the enemies activate, they are doing these inflict tests on, on an attribute that you have to roll for to defend. So if an enemy is, like, for example, a ghost is trying to scare me with with charisma, I have to roll a charisma to to block damage. So the mm -hmm. heroes are always doing the active things to block things and to attack and test stuff. Um, so that that's way a lot different um, than Street Masters. But it also makes it so it's uh, a simple a simple mechanic to learn. You know, I'm doing a test to, to do to do this thing, and I'm doing this other thing. It's a different test, but I still understand how how it works. It's not like a whole different concept for being attacked by an enemy compared to attacking an enemy. Yeah, we tried to really reduce the level of um, enemy upkeep and enemy AI activation stuff. It, a, a lot of that is now put on players, where you're still like enemies are doing like straight damage, and you're just rolling to kind of reduce that. Um, so it just puts a lot more activity on the players, which is great. Since everything's a test, and you mentioned combat is a test too, are there potential for characters to be non-combat focused and still be successful at the game? Yeah, yeah because there's a lot of flexibility about what actually combat, what what actually uh, you know combat uses, because some weapons might have you use different stats, so um, you can really shine in different ways. But if, one one example is um, Rowan, who's the uh, Burry folk, the little halfling dude in the base game he's uh kind of like the scout character kind of like the rogue scout ranger mixture um and he has a lot of mobility so he is while he can do good damage he has some good like sneak attacks and stuff and um he has good damage output he's got a lot more mobility and uh he's good at searching and this actually brings another aspect we're going to mention is uh the supplies in this game is a shared uh, resource that all players have so you kind of have these resources to work with as a player you have your focus which you can use to turn focus results into successes um, you can collect up to five of those and those are spent for all kinds of different things you also can get armor tokens to help you block things um, and then the group and all together can gain supplies and whenever you do any test you can always spend one supply to gain a die to that test so you have some flexibility there but if you run out of supplies it's usually pretty bad because a lot of negative effects will hit your supply pool and if you can't discard supply you'll take damage or something so it represents a communal um, collection of like all your provisions you might have your you know food any trinkets things, you have things you loot off enemies because every time you yeah. defeat an enemy or disarm a trap you get a supply so it just represents it's a abstract way to represent things you find in the dungeon that you can use to your advantage so yeah so so characters if they might not be 
being like, because uh, Rowan's not a punching bag. He's good at putting some output. He's not really good at taking damage. He's got a lower damage threshold, but he's good at getting away, and he's good at building up the supply pool to have his buddies come help him if he needs to. So, And also, the, the health in this game is kind of a, an abstract representation of a well-being of a character. So it can, it can represent mental damage. It can represent, you know, morale damage and physical damage. Um, and so there's also ways for heroes to use alter pools to just put straight damage on enemies instead of having to worry about do combat tests, you know? Yeah. I know what Steve is really wondering is, uh, can he be a healing character? Cause that's his jam. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually that's mine too. Um, but one of the other character in the base game, uh, Cedrin, um, he is a traditional cleric priest character. Um, kind of my favorite type of character. That's the one character I wanted to have in the game. And I've played with him solo many times and he's not the strongest character, but he's durable. He's got he's got this uh, holy symbol that lets him boost tests. So even though he's not the best fighter, he can always like boot, get get a little extra damage by you know spending exhausting his holy symbol to make himself better. Um, so he's a, he's a pure support character, but every character in this game is is fully functional solo. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up too because um, there's always there's always ways around uh, to, to survive. Like if you're playing solo, like if I was playing with Rowan, I'd want Cedrin around to heal him because I'm always getting hurt <laughs> because Rowan's just he's very clumsy. But uh, if you're playing solo with Rowan, he can still get away. Like he, there's gonna be less threats, obviously. But if he starts getting in trouble, he can just run away, and he's got lots of mobility to to, to escape and just kind he can of. Also, he can also cook himself a Laughlin hot pouch to. Yeah, to you gotta <laughs> you gotta pack a lot of Laughlin hot pouches, dude. They're they're handy. <laughs> you all mentioned the the focus mechanic and dice and just to kind of clarify the exact mechanic for people listening and and correct me if i'm wrong on this i only read the rules a few times every time you get one of these focus results on the dice which can be kind of like the one miss side for the dice where you don't get a success you either can spend a token to gain an extra success with that or if you didn't do that you get a token from like getting the miss Correct. so you can either right. gain tokens from the results or spend them to turn them into successes right so a question for you because you know street master has already had like you getting defense when you miss so like no miss was ever too bad you also designed warhammer quest with uh the, the card game i should say <laughs> warhammer <laughs> quest with fantasy flight and you know there you got the uh, little success tokens that you could add to a future test it seems like this one, the focus one, probably is the most mitigation. Like, almost never, no roll is ever too terrible because you can always make sure... Like, if you have enough of these tokens, you can make sure that every die is a hit. Do you think there is ever a danger of, like, too much mitigation? Do you think it takes away from the excitement of the dice? Or do you still find, like, excitement when you watch people playing the game? And I, I am wondering, just as a designer myself... Um, how much does the the critical result play in that? Because I imagine that's sort of an important thing to have in there. Sure. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah, criticals are like one of the most exciting aspects of the of the dice. Um, the the thing about focus though is that's exactly why we limited it to just five focus. So the the reason that it can't get too out of hand is because there's a lot of effects in the game that make you discard focus because focus represents you being prepared. So any negative effect that hop, you might draw an event card, it's like, oh, you see something lurking in the shadows. If you don't spend a focus, you have to draw a lurker card, which is like a random enemy that might spawn on top of you and, and jump you. So you, oh. you do want to make sure you bank some of those focus and not just blow them on whatever successes you're trying to get because you never know what might come around the corner. Um, but we do like the level of mitigation because it's, it's less about getting lucky and more about deciding how much you want to commit, you know? Mm hmm yeah, that, that actually brought up another point. I'm going to touch on that as well. But he, he mentioned lurkers, which is something I forgot to mention, is that every minion in the game that is ever going to be released is going to have, you know, it goes in the threat deck. Uh, so, it, you know, if you pick that threat deck, that's what's going to be in that quest. But every minion also has a lurker card that goes into this big pool of lurker cards, and that just represents random monsters. So no matter what threat deck you play against... There's always a chance of some random other monster coming out if, through the lurker deck because it's there's always something hiding in the dungeon that you're not prepared for. Um, that's another modular element that I forgot to mention. I mean, it sounds like you all are really. And I, I think this is. I think this is awesome. It sounds like you all are really trying to make it so that anything you expand the game with will immediately just insert in and just add to the variety of the game. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of, yeah, kind of the vision is just to make sure that we we. We have these modular decks that let you mix and match your experience, but also have more overarching things that you, your whole collection as it grows can still affect your game every game if you want. So one thing that jumped out to me with when looking over the rulebook and the BGG page is that 
board you talked about, that dungeon board, and how it's a static board, and I feel like a lot of dungeon calls nowadays have modular components to it, so I'm curious what led to the decision of using a static board. Yeah, y'all, I mean, th- th- that is straight-up hero quest, right? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> if, if you haven't seen it, again, like I said, go to the Facebook page or go to BGG and check it out. Like That, that made me get such strong original hero quest vibes. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's the idea. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, uh, that's something that um, I've always wanted to do. Um, I've always liked dungeon crawls and stuff like that, but I've, I've never really been a fan of like building dungeon maps with tiles and things like that um brady and i got into gaming when we were little kids because because brady got hero quest for christmas one year and that kind of opened the door to gaming for us and i've always wanted to recreate that experience i had as a kid but like more in a more robust game and i always thought it'd be really cool to have a game like hero quest where you're playing on this fixed board where you it's like an iconic board that you always you know captures your imagination um maybe it's just hero quest i'm not sure we'll see how alter quest does but <laughs> but uh, for me it's kind of like that just calls you in like i want to go in that dungeon and i, I always want to go back to that dungeon um, and we wanted to make sure that it always felt different that's one thing that we we're, we're gonna have to sell people and it's gonna be a challenge because people like you said they're they're just so used to dungeon crawls being lots of map tiles you know i want all this modularity i feel like what we did with with alter quest every time we play test it um it just you you controlled your exploration so you can kind of go anywhere you want on the board you never use the whole board for a quest so it's not it's always going to be different when you start a quest you put you put the stair tile in any room you want you can choose where you start and then you just explore however you want so yeah because people seem to have that concept where they think like well it's always gonna play out the same it's like you have complete control whether or not that happens like you don't if you want to play it out the same you can but you can but even if you do even if you take the same path, you know, you're going to have different features right. in the rooms. You're going to yeah, draw the yeah. quest cards in different order. Um, yeah, because so. ultimately, in my, I know there's like there's disagreements on this, but I've, I've never really liked... Um, I've never really got into a, into a game because there's all these different shaped rooms and different paths you can take. Uh, because all I really care about is like w- what my choices are and you know, if, there's, if there's flavor or there's story, then that's going to be playing into it as well. But I don't get that. I don't want to simulate me walking through caverns on a, on a tabletop because that just gets obtuse to me. It's very clunky. Uh, you have to like stop the gameplay to kind of reposition the board if you're if you're going off the board off the table. So there's a lot of negatives when it comes to dungeon crawls in my mind, and we wanted to just eliminate those because um, I I think it's an illusion of of replayability personally when people as- associate. Um, I mean, people can have their taste. This is all a preference thing, obviously. But I, I don't think that um, we're cutting into any replayability or any diversity by um, the, the board. And one one way we've seen this proven is every time you bring a new group to play this, the first question they are is like, "This, this is the board? Like, where's does this change? Like, is this all we have?" But after the first game, nobody brings it up ever. Like, it doesn't become a topic anymore. You know, it's pretty much out of their mind <laughs> it's like okay yeah. i see how it works now <laughs> one, one of our main play testers uh mitch who's a game a game developer with us he was told us straight up he's like I, i'm not sure about this board guys and then he played the first game and he got back to us and said oh okay i'm totally wrong i love this board this is so awesome <laughs> the game plays so fast i set up real quickly and i'm right into it and it, the game never stops it's like that's what we want we want a game that you don't have to stop playing to build your map <laughs> That's one of the biggest pet peeves on game, these dungeon crawls. I've talked about them on the podcast before. It's just a setup. It just takes so long, especially with like Imperial Assault. I mean, it's a fun game, but there's points in that where you just halt all progress of the game to find the map tiles and build the next section in the board, and just you just lose the momentum. Oh, yeah, so it was yeah. really exciting to see what you guys did with a single board. And that was that was also the mentality behind Street Masters. Honestly, um, I, I we wanted to just have a really small footprint and have really deep tactical experience. And on that note. We do plan on doing similar things with Alter Quest, where um, we we want to have other modes of play, where you have you know your typical games on this board, but um, later on we can expand the game and add these encounters, which would be like small Street Master style tiles, and use totally different decks called encounter decks, and it's more like if you imagine kind of an interlude. Oh, we were camping, but we got ambushed at camp, and you play that battle out real quick. So it'd be a more of a more direct uh, kind of a faster playing game, just you know straight to a point. But yeah, we, we can. The system supports those kind of choices. So and that's also going to be a great way for people to, to introduce the game to their friends. Like if they're fans of Alter Quest and they want to teach it to their friends, and it's like, oh well, let's do a quick game. Let's just do an encounter real quick so you can learn the game, and let's go play a big dungeon quest. You know. 
Yeah, I mean, this sounds really awesome. I'll, I'll pick on Gloomhaven a little bit because people know I love the game and you mentioned Isaac. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think Gloomhaven is great. I think there's a lot of great things in it. I think one of the things that is at all, not at all great <laughs> is uh, the map tiles and how yeah. the maps are set up. Like, the, the idea of digging through 30 tiles to get a tile that is one hex wider or smaller <laughs> like who cares you yeah, know what i mean yeah. no that's that's totally my school of thought as well like i i get so frustrated i'm like does this really matter like like i mean i know this is a different shape than this other scenario but we're just opening a door and pounding these guys like i, I want to play the actual game i want to well, get and, those, and like, especially you know. like so, so few dungeon crawlers have meaningful terrain and i don't need them to like i, I think yeah. the relational position of like enemy and character is usually enough yep. like it's cool if you have a pit it's cool if you have fire or something but when you don't, like, literally, what is the point? You can just be playing on a flat map like people do with D&D all the time and, and have a good time, and it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you bring up an interesting point that I also didn't mention on Alter Quest that I'm really excited about is uh, the features. So when you go into a room, you draw a feature card, and it's an actual 3D miniature of, like, an alchemy desk or a blessed fountain or an altar even. Oh that, my like, God. You guys are making my toy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw a blacklist post today, but we teased one of the, uh, one of the sculpts. We teased the uh, alchemy desk and it's an awesome, you know, 3d sculpted desk. W wasn't that also in hero quest? It was yes. right. Yes. That was There's totally a forget. Alchemy. Oh man. I love, Oh God, the toys at hero quest. And it even looks like it too. It's got the scale and the potion bottles and stuff. Oh, geez, <laughs> man. So, so y'all are just taking all the ill will about the like Spanish, like fake starter for hero quest it wasn't like even official and tried to do it like right this time uh, just make, just make your own game guys come on <laughs> yeah it's pretty easy <laughs> the only concern i might have with the uh map and I, I just if you can answer this real quick um i know the brook city board is like really big can have a lot of table presence then you got to fit all the decks and like your character stuff as well and you said street master has a very small footprint because it's just this one tile how big is the uh, how big is the Alter Quest board looking? And especially if you're not using all of it, because like you only let's say, let's say for this particular adventure you kind of stay in one corner. How is that working out with your playtests for like table space? Right, the board is the same as Brook City, but because you're not using the whole board, um, you have some real estate. Like like we don't okay. we don't advise this, but you could even have like your quest play area on a part of the dungeon board. Sure. Because you're not using that part. so And you can control. That's the beauty part, too, is when you're playing a dungeon crawl with exploration and, like, oh, I pulled this big tile, so now i got to move all the stuff over. You can right. make those choices. Like, they can have those, like, real estate choices of your tabletop can affect your game. But in reality, it's not that crucial of a decision to make in the game. It's not going to change things too much. So so you do have some, some wiggle room there. And here is the beauty, too, of the fixed board um, is that we can – you know, people have already asked us, and like we thought, okay, well, maybe we'll have a stretch goal in the Kickstarter or something where we could have like an alternate board. You know, like you could have a whole other board with different art. Like maybe this one's all themed to like some underground crypt or, you know, like some cavern. And all it is is just a different layout of rooms and it looks different. And you can play that with any quest. So you can just swap out your boards with any. It's another modular element, which nice. is pretty awesome. Yeah, and that's why the encounter idea works as well, because the system still supports it. If we, you, would, you wouldn't be able to use the quest decks, but we'd have like encounter decks where you could just play on these smaller, you know, smaller footprint uh, play areas. But we've, we've actually been uh, using an actual printed off board the same size as it's going to be. And I was actually afraid of the table space because um, I, had, I had some problems with Brook City when I got the final copy and having all my play areas organized and stuff. But the way the, the play areas work in this game, they're a little more controlled. Like, for example, the, you'll always have the quest area. It's almost always along the side of the board. And it kind of fits naturally there because it's where all your um, different features will go and everything. So um, it's 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 a it takes up a good portion of the table, but it's it's going to be beautiful. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I love a big game. I was just kind of wondering. It is a yeah. definite concern, though. Like table space is a, is a concern. And it, when we were designing this, this is the first thing I thought I was like, okay, this is going to take up a lot of table space, but it's still going to take up less table space than a lot of dungeon crawlers I've played. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Definitely. It's going to be the, the at least offender. <laughs> like, I think I think when I was trying to play Shadows of Brimstone at my old house, like I, we couldn't even we couldn't play it simply because. I had a big table, but we couldn't play it on the table. There just wasn't enough space, and you kept. Oh, that, that's that's definitely a floor game sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was actually the game that like really pushed me to want to do a fixed board game again. I was like, okay, I have to do this because I want to play Dungeon Crawl, but I do not want to deal with this many map tiles and tokens, and uh, it was just overload. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now uh, we have to ask. I I think I sort of helped y'all to the idea of trying out simultaneous play in Street Masters, which is becoming a 
official variant in the Aftershock uh, Kickstarter, right? Yep, yep. So has uh, has simultaneous play been tried for Alter Quest? Could it work out, or do you think it's uh, going to be a different design, kind of a different beast there? It could it could work out. We definitely we definitely used uh, a piece of that uh, in the core and the core rules. It, it's it's kind of already worked in where the only difference being is you, you we have the, the all the heroes act. So you'll do all your three actions, and you'll do all your three actions. So they're not staggered um, like in Street Masters. They it potentially could be, but we kept it this way because of the alter dice specifically, because we yeah. wanted your your choices, your three actions to be limited to these alter dice. Because if you mm. space it all out like in Street Masters, there's like probably way too much control on the player's end. But anybody who wants that control could play that way, obviously. But we just kind of mm. wanted the standard rule to be, all right, well, I'll, I'll at least do all my actions first. And you do then after everyone's done their actions, you'll do the threat phase, and, and it works oh, okay, well. so... Because Street Masters and Brook City, don't you activate like kind of the enemies assigned to you right. after you take your three actions? Yes, yeah. So that's why that, that okay. that's what the changed in this one. So the it, the only way it's different from the simultaneous play in Street Masters is you have to do your entire turn before the no, next your, your entire your entire yeah, three your actions. actions. Yeah, yeah. Because the threat the cool. threat uh, threat phase is a different turn now. The threat phase is a threat turn after all the heroes are gone. So in a way, it's kind of baked in, and players can potentially do their own little version of simultaneous if they want to. That's great. Really right, cool. Right. So now that you have a established modular deck system and turn structure, what did you find most challenging when trying to design for Alter Quest? I think one of the biggest challenges for me personally, and I guess Adam has struggled with this too because we talk about it a lot, but um, I'm just not a huge fan of campaign play, but I know that it comes to the territory, especially with the, you know epic fantasy stuff. Um, so we're obviously it's going to be in Alter Quest. We're going to have um, both a campaign mode and a story mode. So you have like kind of create your own campaign, play quests in any order you want, or play a story that tells you how to play them. And here's a narrative. So we're going to have that in there. It's just something that I just don't really think in a creative space about because whenever I get a game of campaign, it's almost like ah, I wish this wasn't a campaign. <laughs> you know, like I do appreciate them. I just I, I think I lost my my desire to play campaigns and in that obviously comes into me having losing desire to design for them, but it's not something we can't do. I mean, we obviously have experience doing it, so it's not gonna be a problem, but I think that's the biggest challenge for me personally. Yeah. I definitely experienced that uh, fatigue around campaigns. Cause I feel like every game nowadays has some type of campaign play and with every game having, it's like, well, I can never get through all these campaigns. So what's the, point of it i guess so, <laughs> right. but... <laughs> yeah. i think one of the most exciting things about ultra quest is the one thing that i feel like i've been missing uh in my collection is a very uh big dungeon crawl game that is very satisfying in a one-off like one quest everybody gets together play this really cool adventure and you you feel like you completed a story you you know you've completed this quest and even if you don't play a campaign it's it's cool and you can play with a different group the next time but people that want that campaign can still do that um, so like Brady said, that's kind of a, a challenge of balancing that because we wanted to put as much emphasis as we could as having this really fulfilling individual play experience, but also keeping it open for campaign play and uh, you know, story mode and all that stuff. I was going to say, I think your modular deck system lends itself to that, at least from what I've seen in Street Masters. Like each of the characters sort of has a natural progression in getting out their tactics cards and those kind of things and sort of building up their combat options. Mm -hmm. So... You know, one of the things, I mean, you know, full disclosure, Peter and I are literally in the middle of designing and finishing up the design of a campaign-based dungeon crawler. But at the same time, we totally agree with you. We don't always love kind of the campaign system. And one of the things that I think really holds campaign games back for me, and I'm feeling this playing uh, Journeys in Middle-Earth right now, definitely felt it with Gloomhaven, is that, like, to to make the progression of the campaign feel right, they almost have to kind of slow down and govern how much cool stuff happens in a given mission because you can't get the best sword right off the bat. Right, right. Um, you know, you can't get the coolest gear. And, you know, I think your game, having, like, the one-off with a lot of, like, progression in the tactics available to you and your character kind of getting their full arsenal ready to go, I think that should sort of get the feeling of progression in an immediate sense. You know, our game, Spare Parts, does it in a different way with, uh, like, the the taking of enemy components and things as you play. But yeah, I, I think it should be great. I, I do worry a little bit, and this is kind of our next question, you know, fantasy dungeon crawlers. I think with both Brook City and Street Masters, you had a very unique theme. 
which is a blessing and a curse because people yeah. are like, what? It's not the fantasy game that I want to play. I'm not going <laughs> right. to flinch for that, you know? <laughs> but it's also a very crowded market. Like how many fantasy dungeon crawlers come out a month these days? And then, you know, you've got potentially the worry about the board. I think it sounds amazing, but some people might, you know, as you've already said, like kind of have to see it in action before they believe in it. You've got the concern that maybe everybody wants campaign mode, even though they probably really don't, <laughs> you know, if they really assess their collection and how much they've progressed through. So, so how are you hoping to like stand out and make this game, you know, your first million dollar Kickstarter or more, hopefully? One of the things I'm hoping for, this is Adam, is uh, with, with Brook City and Street Masters, like you said, the unique theme I think was more of a curse than a blessing because it, people were so hesitant to jump in, not only as a, with a new publisher, but with a theme that is pretty niche and like you know it doesn't appeal to everybody there's a lot of people that like street masters despite the theme like you know i don't like martial arts but i like the gameplay so it's it's hard to get a game in front of people in this market you know like there's so many games available it's hard to get people to play your game if they're not excited about it so uh you said you know people always say another fantasy dungeon crawler that i feel that way too but then again i think there's not i can't think of a mini at all like off the top of my head like fantasy fantasy dungeon crawls classic fantasy dungeon crawls the only one i think off the top of my head right now is sword and sorcery I don't know if that that was like the most recent one I can think of. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, there's yeah. like you know, Bloodborne is like a dungeon crawler essentially. But yeah, I think I think what what, what you kind of mentioned yourself, like I, I think I think the board is what's going to stand out because they're like I have, I have never seen anybody try to do that. So I really think that's one of the big things that that people will say, "Are you serious?" But then they can look back and see, okay, well, looks like people like Street Masters, people like Brook City. Maybe these guys know what they're talking about. <laughs> that, that's kind of what I was going to go off of too, is like the fact that we have Street Masters and Brook City. Brook City just came out, so we'll see how it's received. But Street Masters has been very well received. Brook City, the people who have played it, that I've been watching online, they they like it, they're excited about it. And so if this Alter Quest comes out and catches people's attention because it's fantasy and appeals to them, they might go look at our other games and be like, oh well. This in this modular deck system is fun. People like it, so maybe you know this. Maybe this will game will be just as fun or more fun because we keep getting better designing in in, in the modular deck system. At least I think we do. But <laughs> so just a little fun question here. I think you already mentioned earlier, but do you have a favorite character or item you like in the game? I know you mentioned Cedric and I think Rowan. No, I think my my literal favorite thing about about Alter Quest so far is Rowan. They they perfected this guy's art. Like I. I I requested, you know, I wrote the art description to be like my ideal D&D character and they pretty much just made exactly what I wanted. But I think my my favorite thing in the entire game is the card Laughlin Hot Pouch because his name is Rowan Laughlin and one of his cards is uh it's like this little pastry he's holding up without, you know, he's got a little skillet and he's holding a pastry up and give it to somebody and it's just a little buff you can have. You can either eat it and it, it heals you and lets you gives you a few buffs or you can like exhaust it and spend a fire in the uh altar pool to get an extra die. It's like, "Oh, this is still hot. Great." <laughs> the magic's still keeping us <laughs> Wait, so you like smash your hot pouch into the enemy's face? <laughs> no, no, you just it's just you're taking nipples of it. You're just like kind of mm, it's, okay. nice and, it's warm, it's you know, it's keeping you nice and like hearty, but yeah, I, I was picturing the, uh, like, what's Tater's scene from Lord of the Rings, if y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yes. Gollum's, like, talking to Sam while he's cooking over the fire. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's probably my, my favorite. And one other thing I really love is um, we have some really unorthodox enemies, because um, vampires aren't really, like, evil in this world. Um, in the in the setting, Aridica, which is, like, the, the country that, you're, that takes place in the kingdom, um, there's, like all these altars coming up, they cause this, this land to be kind of very kind of uh, a bizarre place for supernatural beings. So vampires don't have to feed on humans to survive. Um, so they kind of become civilized almost. <clears throat> and like they're respected individuals, but they're still like these classic vampires, like these thralls. Um, and w one of them is great. It's this, it's this lady who just became a vampire. She's like a middle-aged woman. Uh, she's just a very normal looking lady, but she's a, a, one of the villains, like one of the main villains. And does, she looks very, a, a very unimposing, but she's holding this little bundle and it's a feral baby vampire, like clawing out of his, out of his, uh, <laughs> out of a swaddling. Oh, God. It's, it's just so, <laughs> so creepy and cool. It's just like, it's, so much fun playing in the setting so that's another one i'm looking forward to yeah it's it's hard for me to pick like an individual thing just because i can't explain how excited i am about this game because it's kind of like the game i've been waiting my whole design career to design even back when i was 
designing Descent Second Edition. This is kind of what I wanted to do with it, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> but uh, wait, wait, you you didn't want to have a game where uh, you know the the Overlord would just block up hallways with enemies. Nope. So you couldn't get the objective. <laughs> nope, I didn't want that game at all. <laughs> uh, no, no offense, I, I no, did enjoy no. parts of Descent Second Edition, but it definitely had its problems. No, definitely, Descent Second Edition was the uh, result of a new designer not knowing what he was allowed to do, and also being told he couldn't do certain things that he wanted. A lot, to do of, a lot of mandates. <laughs> a lot of mandates. Dates. <laughs> Working for a big publisher is, uh, is an interesting experience. But this is the game that I always wanted to design, and there's so much about it that, like, every time we play test it, it's always engaging. We always have fun. We always want to play it again. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think that if I have to pick one favorite thing, it is probably playing is that that one character. I got to design a character that I've always wanted to play as the you know the Cedron character was pretty much the perfect support character for me. So that's probably my favorite. Awesome. Well, speaking of characters, so for those who are familiar with your previous works, for Street Masters, you had the Twin Tigers expansion with Reese and Axel, brothers trying to rescue, I guess, like their girlfriends, kind of, and stop uh, the gang from poisoning the the water supply and such. You know, and and Reese and Axel were you guys. (laughs) I think it's pretty clear they were modeled (laughs) after you. Yep. And then, you know, I was just looking through uh, the Brook City page, and you had Reese and Axel as sort of Miami Vice-ish characters in uh, the expand- one of the optional expansions for that, the Delta Keys. Tango and Cash, man. That's- oh, it was more Tango <laughs> well, and Cash? It's, it's Tango and Cash, Miami Vice, like, slapped together, but the, yeah. character, the characters are, like, basically inspired by Tango C- and Cash. Because I will say, I was a bigger Tango and Cash fan than Miami Vice fan, personally, <laughs> but, you know, not everybody. So are we. <laughs> I, I've never even watched an episode of Miami Vice. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just um, like the, paint, the neon pink and the speed boat and all that <laughs> but but can we get an early preview is there going to be an optional buy-in for ultra quest that might feature uh you know are, are they going to have like more uh medieval names like resar and <laughs> axelion i or, think uh... i personally really am pushing adam's kind of i think it might be uh pushing against this but i really i want to get axel reese in the game but just as the most minor of characters imaginable like i want reese <laughs> to be like some little like pot chef in a, a little inn a rinky dink inn in a small town <laughs> just a chubby drunk guy you know and then uh axel can be some so, like so are, are you are you evolving reese into like what you're becoming brady <laughs> yeah yeah he's, he's like he's he's pretty much me that's that's my that's my ideal life that's my retirement <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we were kind of hesitant to bring in like the the whole real life stuff into uh, alter quest because we kind of wanted to build this really cool setting um but i, I will say this is like the fifth time someone has asked us if we were going to be in the game so if people de- if people demand it maybe we'll we'll consider it but it's uh it's kind of up in the air right now so well and, and follow-up question uh recent axel from brook city versus recent axel from street masters versus uh you know pot chef uh, <laughs> uh who would win in a fight I think out of all of them, uh, Reese from Street Masters will win, will beat everybody. Like, he's just, well, he'll, he'll he's just way too overpowered. I don't he's... know, dude. Axel from, <laughs> Axel from Brook City has a lot of connections. So, I mean, if he can't beat up himself, he can find something to do yeah. for him. Yeah, once they got framed and went to jail for a while, he lost his connections, though. So, you gotta, it's, it depends on the timeline, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, like, for real, like, I... I, I mean, I love Street Masters. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to love Brook City. For those listening, I I will definitely have a playthrough and probably a review of that in the next week or so. It's going to be pretty high on my uh, agenda to cover. But, man, I'm so, so excited about this design just from what I've read and seen so far. Awesome. 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 I feel pretty confident in my ability to read a rule book and understand if I'm going to like it or not. And I had a similar experience where I was reading the rule book. I'm like, okay, check, check, check. Okay, this is really all the things I really want out of, out of a fantasy game. Especially the one that really jumped out at me was the board. Just because that's my... I don't know if you hear about the podcast, but I complain about the setup of Dungeon Crawls all the time. Oh, yeah. Every I, time you review a Dungeon Crawler, it's one of your five points that it's a con, you know? And, and yeah. me it just drives too. me nuts. I'm so, the like, this, like, I love, I love the new Lord of the Rings game. My God, I just I, I hate clicking through these. Oh, find this tile, find this tile. My like, God, ah, just put one tile out. And let's play this game. Come on. <laughs> I, I will exactly. say from playtesting this game that you will love the setup of it. Like even even the ugly prototype and you know piecemealing it together. Like it's still so much quicker to set up than any dungeon crawl I've ever played. Awesome. Well, one thing that really jumped out at me that I'm excited about. I adore Street Masters, but so, every once in a while I get one of those games where like I just beeline for the boss and kill him before anything like really interesting happens especially like the lower level bosses 
So I was really excited to see in Ultra Quest that I believe the boss doesn't come out until you've done a full run through of the uh, the threat deck, right? Yeah, the the if you go to draw a villain card on the villain turn and there's no cards left, he will spawn. And even killing the villain doesn't you won't win unless the quest tells you that. If you kill the villain, then in the villain turn every turn after that, you draw more threat cards. So the difficulty gets mm. really bad. Um, so it's kind of like a timer. Um, but then again, some quests, you actually are there to defeat the boss. So you kind of have to explore and find the altar and then get the boss out and then defeat him. So Yeah, yeah. so I'm really <laughs> excited about that. All right, so uh, if y'all are game, we've got some... Uh... We've got some questions that our Slack members sent in when we said that we were going to be interviewing you. And these are really quick, like literally could be like a sentence or a single yes or no answer or no comment if you don't want to uh, (laughs) jump into it. Um, And by the way, uh, check the show notes if you'd like to join our Slack. We'd love to come and talk about this episode or any games you're playing or Alter Quest and your excitement for it, any of that stuff. All right, so uh, first one, uh, we... Some some people might know that uh, I think we're we're both of you in a metal band. Yep. Just Brady. Yeah, both, both of us. Yeah. Both yeah. So so both into metal. I, I've been getting into metal recently. Uh, Jason from the Slack. Uh, I don't know if you all have heard of the band Unleash the Archers from Canada. Yeah. 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 So I'm I've been jamming. I mean I, I know that's not the heaviest of heavy metals, but I've been uh, listening to that constantly, and my kids are now like obsessed with it. Like my my three year old is like heavy metal, daddy, heavy metal, and I'll put it on like the radio, and it's great. So, uh, are you going to design the great heavy metal game that all the metalheads have been waiting for uh, someday? Uh, in a way, yes. <laughs> all right, great. That, that, that was a good, quick answer. Yeah, <laughs> it is. getting too into that one might be a little too much of a spoiler, but if you like '80s metal aesthetics like Megadeth and Metallica and all that, like the way that looked, then yes. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, Steve, take the next one. Okay. Are there going to be any tie-ins with uh, Street Masters and uh, Brick City and Alter Quest? Probably not Alter Quest, no, because we don't want to, like Adam mentioned before, that we want to keep that IP pretty, pretty dis- distilled. The right word, yeah, whatever it is, just more separate, like pure, yeah, se- <laughs> separate, yeah, separate. Because Street Masters and Brook City are are a shared universe. This is kind of removed. So there are two considerations with that answer: is Blacklist likes to push that stuff. Blacklist they like the tie-ins and the crossovers and stuff like that. So we always have to get that pressure from the from the publisher. Uh, and if there's if there are you know strong demands from backers that like really want to see some kind of tie-ins, we'll consider it. But it's not something that we are excited about doing ourselves right now. Oh, <laughs> there are two fun there are two fun Easter eggs, and somebody had to bring this up. Uh, and Mickey Scott, the uh, he was a, actually a fighter in Aftershock, but he was one of the criminals in the core game of Brook City. He is in a band called Alterstone, which is funny because that's what the first book was going to be called for this setting we're working on. This is that came became Alter Quest, so Alterstone's kind of a reference to that. And then in the one of the stretch goal stages in Street Masters, the um, a movie theater one there's a movie poster and a character called Loric, this vampire that's actually one of the main uh, villain characters in uh, um, alter quest so there's a little bit of like easter yeah. egg stuff but yeah <laughs> that's just that's about as, as far as it goes hopefully <laughs> nice all right uh what are your guys opinions on the game spirit island and sort of follow up because the person who uh, asked this question loves uh less randomness in games do you think you might ever design a co-op with no dice whatsoever Probably not. Uh, may, I mean, it's not out of the question, but we do like dice, um, so that might be kind of something we'd have to be mandated. Like someone like say, "Hey, we have to do this," <laughs> but we probably we always kind of no yeah, we probably always have some sort of dice in there. Um, I loved. First, I can say for myself, I love Spirit Island, but I have really have no desire to play it again because it just there's a lot of tedium in that game. But I love the design. I just don't want to set it up and relearn everything every time. And I did enjoy my first playthrough of it, um, and then after my second, and third playthrough, I kind of, eh, I, I, I experienced it, and I don't really, it didn't excite me anymore after that. But I did like it for what it was. It's a great design, brilliant design, though. Another question that's been popping up a lot is. Here's a turnoff. Are you guys wanting to do an expansion for that, or we'd love to? <laughs> if it was if it was up to us, you'd have like two expansions by now. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's uh, with those big publishers like FFG, they have like Star Wars knocking down their door, and you know all kinds of IPs. So <laughs> it's not it's not just FFG anymore because FFG is owned by Asmodee, and Asmodee is right. like, okay, are we looking at what's what's selling, you know, what's the hottest thing, and I can tell you right now, I guarantee you'll see like four lord of the rings expansions before you see anything about your stand <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we won't say that because that's going to be an official word but like we just have a feeling the way things go but um it, it'd be crazy if it didn't get support um we can say that because it's selling we've seen the numbers so we appreciate all the fans out there um so it's not going to be just uh 
I don't I, I don't foresee it being a one hit wonder. <laughs> yeah, good because we know what happened with uh you know the the previous sort of iteration of that game, which I love. But yeah, I, I'll also say that if if nothing does happen with it. We would be more than happy to do something similar like that with Blacklist, and we would have full control over those expansions. So, like, you know, if if, if nothing ever comes of Heroes of Terranoth, like, we 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 want it, but it's out of our hands. But like with things like with Blacklist, that's more in our control. So those are the kind of answers we can definitely answer is with anything related nice. to Blacklist. So. All right, uh, next one. This is from uh, one of our European listeners. He asked uh, whether, first of all, if Brook City's coming to retail. Now, he did already back the game with just the base level, so he's getting it. But he wanted to know uh, if it's going to be retail available, if it's just going to be through Blacklist site. And then also, um, will the expansions be available, particularly since he only got the base set, will he be able to buy them in Europe? So I know that some retailers got it like through the Kickstarter. So I, I saw some people posting on BGG like saying, oh, here's my store. I have the game because they got the retailer pledge. Um, after fulfillment, I know for a fact that anything left over will be f- for sale on Blacklist's online store. Plus, um, con- plus convention appearances. Yeah, and, so. and conventions. Um, and that's going to be until stock runs out. I'm not sure about uh, dis- any kind of distribution for Brook City, but we Blacklist is in talks with distribution for future projects, so that's hopefully going to be in the future. Um, and w- if if uh, Brook City sells as well or is, is received as well as Street Masters, um, it's pretty likely that we'll do something, um, some kind of a reprint Kickstarter to get it in, up the print run and get a little bit more stuff out there for it. Awesome, awesome. Next question we have from Slack is, do you have a estimation on the price for an all-in uh, for backing Alter Quest? So this one won't have, I mean, it's the, whenever we do Kickstarters, um, there's typically, it's hard to do all-in because there's a lot of little optional, like, incremental purchases, like dice packs and, and mm-hmm. piece rings, stuff like that. Well, yeah, I guess, what, what, what do you think will be, like... You know, content. with uh, with Street Masters and Brook City, you had like the core game with some free expansions, right. like that pledge level. What do you think that might be, or just a an estimate? So the, I, I think the base pledge is going to be very close to what we've done with Brook City. I think like you know the one oh one ten or whatever one twenty, like that's the base pledge. Um, and I've also been pushing to make sure that like the, an, any kind of add-ons, like content-wise, there may be one big content add-on like one expansion or something, but basically trying to keep it under two, under $200 for like an all-in for everything gameplay wise. That being said, we do have plans for like, you know, extra dice, um, maybe some kind of cool like dice tray or something, I don't know, for the altar dice pool, but you know, there's little cosmetic things we might do for add-ons, but trying to keep it reasonable. And we really want to build a foundation with this game to have a, a, something we can expand uh, over the long term and not just do a Kickstarter where like, here's a bunch of content for this game and have it all in one shot. We kind of want to be a little slower with this game. No, that's great. All right, next one from our Slack. This person really enjoys the Sentinels of the Multiverse app, sometimes even more than playing the actual card game. (laughs) Uh, Do you all have any plans for potential, like, app versions of your games? Uh, Is that a possibility? Does Blacklist have any ins with that kind of stuff? Uh, uh, <laughs> let's talk after after Ultra Quest. Want to get your ducks in a row and see how things go? I will say we we you know we've been exploring that space. We've been discussing that because it's something that we've been interested in, interested in doing, like some kind of an app version of games. Um, but if anything, it's going to be like more app version stuff, not like app integration games. I don't. Yeah. Think yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I think they meant like an yeah. Because because yeah. Sentinels the digital. So yeah. So. So, um, Def- definite possibility. We'll say that. We'll just cool. say that would be rad, man. <laughs> that, that sounds like a pretty positive possibility. So, feel good on that. And uh, a related one from the same guy. Um, he was wondering if this is actually not really that related, but would you all ever consider making like an official list of achievements for Street Masters, Brook City, or uh, Alter Quest? Like, hey, try this crazy combination of characters or accomplish this crazy thing. You know, just like a, like a little sheet of achievements that you could like kind of mark off just to add some more kind of fun goofiness to the play experience. Yeah, I think our marketing guy, uh, Scotty, uh, he has something in the works kind of similar to that. Um, he started off with just kind of a uh, kind of a matchup um, sheet where it's like you, you has everything listed, all the content listed where you can make matchups. But um, he was talking about having something like that where you could track um, different achievements and maybe like bring those to conventions and then maybe get promo stuff based on that. So that's, oh, that's uh, once, awesome. <laughs> yeah, once we become like a more fully fledged, cause right now Adam and I are the only full-time employees of the blacklist and we're busy just making games. So 
once we have uh, a marketing guide who's can be on full time, which hopefully will be the results of after Alter Quest, we'll see. But um, that stuff is definitely uh, in the talks and partially in the works. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually another another good point. Is for the Alter Quest Kickstarter is, is another building block to the blacklist company because we kind of want to grow the company now that we're full time employees. Obviously, so the better it does, the more the more games we'll be able to do quicker. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing also is uh, one quick achievement I saw on BGG for Brook City is apparently people are having a lot of trouble with Mickey Scott and Shadow Theories as a, <laughs> as a solo combination. And Mickey Scott's tough in Brook City, but that's a good achievement to start on now if anybody has Brook City. Have they not nice. played as Reese? You could smoke that. I was like, I was like just take Axel, man. Axel's the most overpowered cop in that game. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. And we have uh, just one more question, and that's uh, what are you guys playing besides your own games? Uh, Journeys of Middle-Earth, a lot. Um, I've been yep. playing quite a bit of the uh, Legends Untold. I got that Kickstarter in. My daughter seemed to like it. Um, and uh, there was one other game we were... Oh, yeah. Um, my my daughter finally wanted to start playing Lord of the Rings LCG, which I was always waiting for. It's like, I know it's... Because she played Pokemon. She got into Pokemon, and I've been playing that with her. And I'm like, well, you're, you're doing pretty well with these card games. Let's play a real card game. Come on. <laughs> 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 card game. Nice. Yeah, I was going to say, aside, nice. aside from all that Alter Quest playtesting, I think the most recent thing that's catching our attention was playing that... I've been playing a Journal, Journeys of Middle-Earth campaign with Brady and our game group, so... It's pretty fun. Yeah, we, we, we did a playthrough of that recently. It's uh, definitely a good one. Yeah, it's a fun game. It's fun. It's 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 good because it, it basically sold me on stuff that I didn't like. You know, I, I don't necessarily get excited about app-integrated games. I hate dice. I hate using cards for dice, Like, and I hate little cards. Yeah, That's yeah. Like, and all that yeah, stuff. I, I made a list because when this was announced, I was like, I, lo- I love this concept, but this is bad news because I hate little cards. I hate flipping cards over to see if I solve the test. I hate... Uh, modular tiles I have to place out, you know, in the process, and uh, I don't like app integration. Like, all these things, like, that's what the game is, but, like, somehow they take all these things that I hate and don't want to do and I love it, so they, you know, hats <laughs> off to the design team, man. <laughs> either awesome. either Brady doesn't know what he likes or they just did a good job. <laughs> well, no, what they did a good job with, really, is, like, the, it's very subtle, but the deck mechanics in that game, like, it, that that's, as much as I like those enough to see past everything else that, I, that bothers me, and and it's like, I think it's a little a little less tedious than a lot of other games that do similar things. So it's a little more elegant in a way. But yeah, they those things I don't love, but they made me love the game. So that's a really good job. And uh, a kind of final question, uh, just to kind of sign off with, uh, you all mentioned that you're both full time employees of Blacklist Games, uh, as a you know still. <laughs> Full, fully employed uh, with a different job designer over here. Uh, how, how has that been? How has it been to just like fully commit yourselves to your game designs every dang day? It's it's funny because it goes in these like weird waves. Because it when we first like took the took the dive, it was almost that like we were so busy with stuff it didn't really feel like that much changed because we were always busy before with corporate stuff and then doing this on the side and then diving into this. We had to like catch up with a lot of stuff we wanted to do right away and like we took on an extra contract outside of Blacklist, so we were doing like three games at once and like the last and then the finally things kind of calmed down leading up to this Kickstarter. So now I've gotten this kind of like phase where I'm I'm just kind of stunned a lot of the time. Uh, I'm thinking like, oh man, what what do I do? Because like, I, it's it, there's no boss telling me, you know, what my next steps are. We're, we're pretty much driving it ourselves, so um, we're still learning. But uh, it feels great. I mean, it's great only focusing on this and only caring really about this. Um, it can be nerve wracking sometimes because uh, it it does feel a little like risky, you know. But it's um, fair. It's very risky. <laughs> but so so is work. Yeah, so is working at a corporate job. You don't know what you're doing at. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But different yeah. kind of risk. <laughs> I'll say that the, one of the best things about it, uh, besides you know, like obviously the the time you can spend on your games, is it opens up your schedule more to do things uh, about your games. It's not just a game design. So it's like I, we can schedule live streams you know in the middle of the day and you know podcast interviews whenever we want so it's like it all that stuff that is really hard to find time for outside of game design is a lot easier now and it kind of takes a little stress off and gives us more more family time you know in our off hours which is nice so yeah learning how to relax is a new thing for me because i usually i don't sit there and watch tv or something i usually have to like be doing something, either like researching games by playing them, or like you know making notes and stuff, or working on a book or something, or, or texting like me. 
Yeah, or texting Adam about <laughs> stuff that I want to do the next day. But but now it's like I can actually have an evening, you know, like, oh, I'll hang out and just sit with the kids and watch TV or something. And it just kind of feels like I'm not cheating myself, you know. Well, that's fabulous, guys. Uh, congratulations on that. I, I hope to be there myself one day. Thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. All right. And uh, yeah, everybody, please. Uh, Ultra Quest coming May 28th, probably. And uh, I know Steve and I are incredibly excited. I think we might have some uh, early uh, preview content on it, like uh, on the video stream. So check out One Stop Co-op Shop as that uh, Kickstarter is coming up. And yeah, really, uh, really looking forward to trying it out, guys. Cool. Thanks again for having us, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for joining us. It's been a pleasure. So join us on Slack. We're going to talk about this episode some more. If any other questions you may have, I'll have a link in the show note description below. And you're always welcome to send us an email at onestopcoopshop at gmail.com. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think we've mentioned it several times, but I'm pretty sure we'll be doing journeys uh, in Middle Earth. And we might even have uh, more than just two of us on if uh, Steve and Elijah get a chance to play it some. We'll see how that goes. We're, we might try to do like a big like kind of group review. That'll be exciting. Excellent. So be on the lookout for that. And we'll see you at the next stop. Thanks for listening to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Please check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop, where you can get great game playthroughs and 5 and 5 reviews. If you want to have a conversation with us, the best place to reach out to all of us is on the Slack channel. Links are in the show notes. You can also talk to us on Twitter at MVP Board Games or email us at MVPBoardGames at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us again, and we'll see you next week with another Top 5 list. Hey, Mike, you recording? I am recording. We got him. Yep, recording. Ready? Oh, no, I'm not. Yeah, I am. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you screwed it up, man. You ruined the whole podcast. <laughs> Sorry, did, did you say the uh, the healer's name was Excedrin? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm always going to think that. <laughs> no, I, I thought it might have been on purpose. <laughs> no, no, it's just Cedrin because he, yeah, once, once he... Once he uh, breaks up with his girlfriend, she calls him Excedrin. So. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Roman, yes. Cedrin, uh, dude. Cedrin. <laughs> Excedrin, See, I'll never you. forget his name because... Yeah. There you go. <laughs>